0: Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips and please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. Kia ora, Gay, and thank you very much for joining me today. Kia ora, Anna. Welcome. So the first question I have for you, I'd love to take you a wee way back. When you were a child or, or maybe even to your teenage years as you were growing up, what were you thinking about in terms of your career? Yes, this question has really made me think about, you know, what it's
1: like to be a kid again, actually. When I, was a, I, I grew up in the country, so when I was a child, I was quite focused actually on living in the country for my whole life in the countryside. And I remember we used to have a funny phrase when I was a kid about being a townie and how hard it would be to live in town. (laughs) Now I find myself a long-term resident of Wellington, one of our biggest cities. So as a child, I really thought I would have a career sort of in rural New Zealand somehow. But also I was really interested in... Buildings, in a way, for a child. I used to draw plans of houses and castles and things with secret staircases, and I think that's come that came from an interest, sort of, in architecture actually. And when I went to secondary school, I was interested in doing tech drawing, but my school either didn't allow or certainly didn't encourage girls to do tech drawing, so it just went off my radar, and. Throughout my life, actually, it's it's been really interesting every now and then that interest in architecture and architects has come through. But I moved in a completely different direction when I was at secondary school and I decided to do law. So that was really driven by a desire to be an independent, primarily financially independent woman. So that's what, yeah. that's what drew me to to study law and then have an early career in law
0: Fascinating and really interesting as you said that from the start thinking well maybe I don't want to be a townie and then (laughs) here you are in Wellington but that love or interest for architecture and and I think it's a a, a story that many women tell is that either perhaps subconsciously or subtly we may be steered away from certain subjects or or topics or sometimes less subtly because it's simply not available to us it's uh, it's really interesting Alongside the financial independence element what else was it about law that appealed to you? I think it's an intellectual
1: pursuits I think are interesting. They were always interesting to me and law was quite foreign to what I'd done at school but it is a very, It's an analytical course of study, and I was really drawn to that. I think underneath it all, I do still really like challenging intellectual work.
0: And I think if I'm right, in, in terms of those first few years of your career, you spent some time as a Crown Prosecutor in Palmerston North. Was that right? Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> it, that was a, a wonderful experience and
1: also a very challenging time in, in my career as I reflect on it. Yeah, being a lawyer and pe- appearing in court is a strangely exhilarating experience. And I didn't get to do so much of that when I was a young lawyer in Wellington in a commercial firm, because that's just not the sort of work you do. But I did have friends who had gone and worked in smaller centres, and they got seemed to get a lot more opportunity to do things that really pushed them. And so that's what I decided to do when I got the opportunity. So I moved to Palmerston North and worked for the Crown Solicitor up there. As a relatively young woman, I got a lot of response responsibility and learned an enormous amount a, a lot about how to you know do a really good job in quite difficult circumstances and deal with a lot of human pain actually because I did a lot of prosecuting of very very awful things that had happened to people I look back on it and think about the sexual offending cases that I did and some of the violent offending and it was it was pretty gritty stuff but boy I learned a lot from that Hmm. including some of the lows too, actually, about being a woman-in-law. Uh, tell me a bit more about that. There was an event that I'll never forget, and I've told a few people this story just to demonstrate how things do shift over time. I was a, a young prosecutor, but pretty good at what I did by the time I'd finished my stint there, and it was later on in my time. And I was wearing I was wearing a pantsuit to court one day, you know, trousers and a jacket, a Hillary sort of outfit, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Uh, and the judge did not agree with the woman wearing pants in court. And he said, "He's passed away now, this judge, but he said something like, "I cannot hear you, Sarank And I thought, oh, I'm sure i'm I'm sure I'm speaking quite clearly and loudly, And he said it about three times, and then the court registrar leaned forward and said, we need you need to go and change, or something like that." And so I sought an adjournment, and I found out from her what he was annoyed about, and it was that I was wearing trousers.
0: Oh, my goodness. How did you cope in that
1: situation? Well, I stomped downtown and bought bought a skirt uh, and then turned back up to do my case. But I was really grouchy, as you can imagine, and just almost, Mm. you know that sometimes you feel like crying with frustration. (laughs) I just felt really disempowered. And then I thought, oh, get over it. You're here for a bigger thing. Do the job and then sort out the issue afterwards and mm. after that I did wear pants and court. afterwards I didn't change my behavior and it, it wasn't an issue so it just must have been a thing on the day and I didn't take a complaint or anything like that, and and nor did he. So uh, we sort of just agreed to disagree, I think, quietly. But it was quite a shocking event at the time.
0: Following that, you've pursued a career in in the public sector across the Commerce Commission, across Ministry of Economic Development, through ACC, through Inland Revenue. What moved you really into that public sector space?
1: I think it started with prosecuting in Palmerston North, actually, and the concept of helping participate in the I suppose in the public in public life. So prosecuting is a is a part of the public service and the sort of the whole justice sector was interesting to me generally. And then that broadened out as I got the opportunity through working at the Commerce Commission, I could see that there was a lot of other really exciting work that was done within government. And it was attractive to me because it's about something that's bigger than than yourself and It's motivated by trying to do, trying to have a great country and trying to, I suppose, support the lives of the people in the country. And I just, I really liked that. And sometimes that has some downsides because you have the law enforcement side of it, which I was early um, involved in. But also there are there are other fantastic things that happen in the public service that give you such a sense of satisfaction. I remember in one of my early pieces of work I did at Ministry for Economic Development, I did the funding agreement for a whole lot of the boardwalks in Zealandia, which was then called the, the Karori Sanctuary, I think. And I still walk along those boardwalks whenever I visit Zealandia and think about that little funding agreement I did that helped put those up. And it was it's really it's it's very gratifying to see stuff like that. In place and adding to our country or our town because of a little bit of the work that you do as part of the public service.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, part of that, helping to create a great country, then, and you're part with within that yeah I, I love that when something you're able to see something very tangible from your work like for example boardwalks I yeah it's small but really yeah it does it really does motivate me mm. and then as you've progressed you've ended up being on the executive teams you've ended up as the deputy commissioner or with I think inland revenue and obviously now as the chief exec at land information New Zealand tell me a little bit about the path or the journey along the way well,
1: so that path from law into leadership, it worked out really well for me. It's not an it's not all that common, I don't think. A lot of a lot of specialist professional roles tend up tend to be you end up loving being an expert. But I got the opportunity reasonably early on actually, I think I was definitely under forty when I was appointed chief legal advisor at MED, Ministry for Economic Development. And then my wonderful boss, who was my first woman boss, she moved on to another organisation and I I got the opportunity to act in her role and then to apply for it permanently. And she was a deputy secretary, as we called them. So that was the first, I suppose, management job outside my profession. And I ended up being the leader of actually all my former colleagues. And the reason I found out, the reason I got that job is because I had been identified as good at working with people. So it was just the number one criteria to to give me an opportunity to move out of my my professional specialism and into something broader. so the key thing was about working with people and getting the best out of them and and enabling people to work together well that just seemed to suit my personality and the the way I liked to work. so I wasn't especially skilled in management theory or anything like that, but it really was about uh, relationships and being a collaborative person that opened that door to me. And that seems to have been a feature of the steps throughout my career, being able to work with other people in sometimes quite tricky circumstances or challenging environments and still being able to get things done. That's definitely the case in terms of my move to ACC, which was about working with the ACC board and the chief executive and my, my peers to deliver for our customers and also to be part of the public service as a crown agent and work with a minister. And that's that can be sometimes quite a challenging environment when you've got boards who are responsible as well as ministers and thousands of people working to deliver for New Zealanders. So that was what that was about. Same with moving to inland revenue, actually. It was about Contributing to the enormous change that Land Revenue was going through with its business transformation program to change the tax system, and to focus on people a lot more and making it easy for people, and that was a real collective leadership effort working both inside and Land Revenue and with the huge number of stakeholders and people that work in the tax system.
0: That's really interesting. And then interesting, as you said, from that sort of first stage of having starting to have people report into you to over time ending up having significant numbers of people there as part of your broader team. How have you developed yourself as a leader? Well, I I had an amazing opportunity when I was at ACC to to do a
1: year-long leadership course with Global Woman called the Breakthrough Leaders Programme. And I think that has been one of the most valuable sort of formal learning opportunities that i've had and i it was with a network of i think 30 something other women and i've also formed really lasting relationships with with those women who are now a, a great professional network so i think that has been one of the you know most valuable opportunities and my chief executive at acc really pushed me to do that course and opened the door for me to do it and it's On reflection, it was one of the most significant learning things that I've done in a formal learning sense. I think you do learn a heck of a lot, though, just on the job. And one of the main things I've picked up over the years has been learning through asking people questions about myself and my performance. It's quite awkward when you first start doing it, but I have definitely got the most valuable feedback and advice through sort of 360 type processes in in all of my jobs.
0: And I think it's, as you said, it can be uncomfortable both for you and the other person at first, but probably the more you do it, the more you learn and the more open people feel to be able to give you that feedback. So that makes a lot of sense. A few years ago, then you made that transition into the chief executive role at Land Information New Zealand. How has that transition been? I think I'd say I just the joy actually that comes from
1: sort of feeling that you're in the right really in the right job and that you can do a good job is it's just fantastic i didn't expect to love being a chief executive and as much as i do and that, i don't know whether that's i don't think it's about a, a power trip i think it's just that i'm i found the the right job for me at the right time it's wonderful leading an organization. It is also a really big responsibility so it's not it's not all sunshine and flowers. but I think the transition to leading an organization versus leading a big part of another organization which is what I've done beforehand wasn't actually as big as I expected. You have a different team. So my team is now the fellow chief executives of the public service. That is a bit harder to get together than when you're in, all in the same organisation, but it's nonetheless still feels like a team. In many ways, the responsibilities you have are just a little bit different. You have ultimate responsibility for the well-being and health and safety and performance of a whole lot of people. But it, it's still many of the same principles that you learn as you're leading any sized team of people. It's, it's just a great privilege. And I think the other part of it is also to be really aware that the public has an increased expectation of you and your performance and the, the right to. So when you're the head of a public service organisation, you really do you need to have as a driver wanting to serve the people that you're there for because they will definitely hold you to account and that's part of the privilege i guess so that hasn't been Mm. such a such a big transition as i expected which is great, mm, and
0: I think that which is great, and I think sometimes people worry possibly about that route within transition, or will it be lonely, or the added responsibility and pressure that comes with it. But it's nice to hear you've still got a team; it's just a different team, and that that responsibility almost comes out and that desire to serve, so so it becomes a motivator in some ways. Um, think that nobody's life is all sunshine and flowers, I think as you put it. What have been perhaps some of the toughest career challenges or moments that you've experienced?
1: I think some of the work that I've done, and I mentioned briefly earlier, some of the subject matter of the work that I did as a lawyer was could be distressing, actually. And I worked in Social Welfare, Ministry of Social Development for a while, and I loved that work. I was doing litigation work there, and a lot of it was about defining and testing entitlements under the social welfare system, which also has real challenges when you're talking about what people have got at sometimes the very most challenging times in their life, and you're talking about special benefit and things like that, accommodation supplement that they should or shouldn't have, sometimes I've found that quite challenging to be arguing legal points about things that were really about people's sort of survival sometimes. So I've definitely really enjoyed most the work where i'm trying to build something or create something good for people or for new zealand and the challenging times have been when i when i've wondered what am i contributing here or or been in an environment where bad things have happened to people and no matter how much how good a job i do i have, i can't fit the bad the really bad things that used to happen for example in the justice end of my of my career uh, i also the ch- some of the challenges that I got later on was being responsible for, example, for the response, the legislative changes after the Pike River mining disaster. And that was that's a highlight of my career because it was such an important thing to do and to improve. But it was also terrible that it took such a tragedy for us to reform our health and safety system and, and really focus on on workers' health and safety more, which we have steadily been doing in New Zealand. And after that, I was part of helping to establish WorkSafe New Zealand, which is also a real a real highlight. But it, it definitely was a challenging time in working on something that's really important for the country after a disaster has happened, has got a real, there's a, there's a conflict of emotion in there. I would really, I really aspire uh, for us to see those sorts of risks before they happen before they eventuate so that we can improve things at the right time rather than after we've had such terrible losses. So that's definitely been part of the challenge in my career.
0: Mm, And I think, as you said, sometimes it's the very challenging times when you come out the other side and you see the change that you've made that you feel proud afterwards, but at the time being in the middle of it, I can imagine it feels pretty tough. And you talked about early days, the, the kind of the pantsuit in court, perhaps being a challenge as a, as a woman. Have there been any other challenges as a woman that you've um, experienced in your career? I've definitely experienced a challenge
1: about the sort of person I am, which has often been described. And I... I now dislike this word a lot, as nice. So there are some words, I was listening actually this morning, there are some words that are used, almost weaponised, ambitious is another one in relation to woman, or I Mm. think I heard somebody talking about feisty, which is just, I find to be such a patronising word. But I think I have often been described as nice and warm and friendly, in ways that incredibly subtly imply some sort of, not quite weakness, but as if that's an add-on to a personality and that you've got to be really tough and strong and good at your work as well as being nice. So I've definitely found challenges in terms of establishing credibility through being a warm and and being a warm and friendly and people-focused person. And as I've got older, that has really dropped off. But I've noticed, I noticed it in my 30s that I was almost packaged as the the nice lady who could fix things up with people, but who wasn't, you know, quite as credible or expert. And I think it surprised people sometimes when I had a quick mind and I could get across things quickly and contribute, you know, to technical or professional discussions as well as being good with people but I'm really proud of those characteristics of being a people person and I think they've really helped me in my career and that's how we achieve things is through people working together so I have stuck to that despite some of the early feedback that those soft skills weren't as valuable.
0: Mm, and I think the irony being some of those soft skills are sometimes the hardest things that we do in work and just you talking then it reminded me I had similar feedback early in my career that I was too nice and that I needed to kind of toughen up harden up and whereas you said how do you find that that balance or that combination of warmth and competence and credibility and and are able to exercise both as well I think that's probably a good combination and we talked about some of the tough times as you look back what have been some of your proudest moments in your career I think the things that I talked about, for example, the health and safety reform, some of the legislative
1: reform that I've done. I think some of the financial sector reform after after the GFC. Things that have improved the sort of the rules around, you know, how we work, invest money, behave at work. All of those sorts of things. I, I'm really proud of that. It's slightly geeky to be proud of new legislative regimes, but I I can see that they've had an impact, and I I find that really motivating. I also. So I have been just generally proud of actually being a successful senior woman to the, in my field, to to the degree that I've achieved. For my kids, I think that's actually the thing I'm the proudest of, is that I've I've demonstrated to them that that a woman can be a kind, warm a successful career person and mother and friend and i fail in all of those things from time to time but i think they've definitely grown up with that an image of woman in our family at least being just the same as men and i can see it in them now that they're adults our oldest is 24 our youngest is nearly 20 and they just have a view of woman at work, which I think is completely different to what my generation had, Uh, I am so proud of that. And when I see my daughter, who's 21, thinking about her career or just making decisions or dealing with things, I just think I'm really glad that they've had a role model, I suppose, or they've, they've got someone in their family who's shown them that woman can do exactly the same things as men in their chosen career.
0: And I guess on that note I wanted to ask a bit about, you know, work life balance. And I think that is one of those tricky ones which nobody gets perfect. But, you know, for you, what helps you personally find a, a bit of balance in your life? I'm really lucky at the moment. And this is
1: okay, this is one of the funny positives of the crazy Wellington property market and COVID probably. But our two oldest children um have come back and lived at home. And so we have a twenty four year old and a twenty one year old and my husband Brendan and I and our dog and having a family unit still together our youngest is out flatting, hilariously he's the most <laughs> he's the one who's fled the coop but it's the family unit has really helped me not just focus on work it used to be about looking after my children and having the balance was part of my job as a parent and now i find it's it's about being part of something that's not about work and we genuinely do have family time and I really enjoy it and appreciate it so that's been really really good for my work life balance I do I call it jogging because I don't think I'm fast enough to run but I've done that for I started running about five years ago and I have just kept on with that and I find it extremely good just for my general well-being this winter, I've been running on the treadmill inside because in our garage because it's been a bit cold and I, I listened to people talking to me about security running at night. So I've been running while watching um, Netflix series, which is just such great multitasking. <laughs> so I think exercise has been a really good part of keeping balance. And the other thing I'd say is I do dedicate time to my friends to the to the people that really uplift me, or that I that feeling when you see people and they just you come out with a bit more light in you. I have people in my life, small small groups, lots of them are small groups of women actually, through different um, connections, and I really do make time to regularly catch up and spend time with them and go away together.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to ask, you know, as you think ahead now, where do you see your career potentially heading in the future?
1: Yeah, great question. Something I sort of not avoid thinking about because I, I, I've i decided to live a bit in this job. I decided I would just live a bit more in the moment and really focus on doing a, an excellent job, doing the best that I can in this job. And boy, that's been liberating. Taking away that idea of what's next and what am I working towards and being in the moment, just loving what I'm doing now. So I've probably spent less time thinking about the future, ironically, in this current job than I ever have in my career. I think I'll stay, I think I'm likely to stay in some sort of public service role. It's obviously a strong driver for me when you look back at what i've done i did have dreams of being a voluntary prosecutor for the spca and that keeps coming back in to my consciousness every now and then it's one of those funny things that i think oh when i'm when i'm wanting to wind down my my working life i'm going to go back to doing something that I was once, you know, quite proficient at and do it in a voluntary sense. So that might be something I find myself doing in the future. But for now, I think I'm just thinking about what I want to achieve and deliver in my current role and just trusting that what I'm learning in this role will open other doors or will give me opportunities. And they do, they do just turn up. That's something I've learned, that planning to the nth degree for your career or for a particular job can sometimes not not work out. When things don't work out exactly as you plan, you can feel quite um, despondent. And so creating a set of skills and having an open mind about what next, I think has just been really good. And I've found more opportunities have come to me that way
0: and I think it is that it's an interesting balance isn't it between you want to have some idea of where you might want to go but not being so rigid that when that doesn't eventuate you're not disappointed or disheartened somehow and recognizing that opportunities will come as you said if you build your skills and are open and the things will come yeah I did some
1: work with uh, a coach a few years ago wonderful woman called Anne who I was working with and it was really about strengths-based approaches to your, you know, career and leadership, and I really believe in it. It's, I think it's very empowering, and it's a very positive way of looking at things. A lot of the time, we are sort of, well, I definitely experienced that idea of what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses. Let's let's work on your weaknesses so that you don't have any. And I, I definitely now think about my own development and working with others as being what are the strengths and how can we dial them up and then how can the, the makeup of your team compensate for any, any gaps that you've got which is I think a much more positive way of doing it. So I've I've spent more time here yeah, in terms of career planning thinking about well what actually are my strengths and what have I learned and, and gained some, some expertise or, or some skill in and where can I apply that or what sort of jobs will that really add value in and I think that really opens a lot, a lot more doors than thinking about a particular job or a particular sector.
0: I think it's certainly the way that I work with my coaching clients as well. As you said, it's so much more energising and enjoyable to be using your strengths and seeing how you can dial those up. And as you said, looking to the people around you potentially to bring other strengths rather than trying to fix the things that you're not so good at. Yeah, super. And one last question that I'd love to ask you is: is what career advice would you have for other women? Well, I think that strengths one is really
1: important. If there's something I could tell myself when I was starting in my career, it really would be to understand myself and and keep doing work on listening to others. Others have usually got a much better view of what you're good at <laughs> than you have yourself. So that's something that I you know, definitely think is spending time on and not being coy about and not feeling that it's that it's vain or whatever to talk about and ask people about your strengths, what they see in you. I think also trying to say yes to opportunities even when they might not be in your plan or they might be scary is really important. And uh, there aren't many opportunities that I've been offered that I have said no to. Saying yes to opportunities, especially the ones that you think, oh, I don't know if I can do this, I think is really important, uh, especially for women, because there is that thing about wanting to be sure that you can do the job before you accept it. And a bit of risk is a good thing in there. I definitely felt more pushed, like more rushed early in my career to advance. And now, as I look back on it, I I would give myself advice not to be in such a hurry. Because the things you learn when you're younger and literally your brain is faster and you can learn quicker and better actually those things are incredibly valuable and taking the time and getting the most out of each role uh, or opportunity that you have before you feel that you need if you, if you feel like you need to advance for some sort of you know up the ladder type thing i think that that push can sometimes be counterproductive so without not being ambitious or not pushing yourself i still think there's time to just not to rush Every, everything has a, a huge cumulative impact on your learning and later in life we will see the, the value of that yeah.
0: Wonderful Thank you so much Gay, I've loved speaking to you today and hearing about that career journey and just that desire that you've had to, to serve and to help make make Aotearoa a better, a better place, and so thank you very much for, for sharing that with us I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.